thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. That's good stuff, church. Some great worship, by the way, also. Hey, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. Uh, y'all like, not Christmas again. No, it's not Christmas again. Don't panic. You're like, I ain't even paid the bills yet. Uh, but, but what I bring you is, we're going to wrap up Not a Fan today, okay? Uh, I think I've beat that dead horse enough. I think it's a great series, but, but you can't stay on it forever. And uh, there's only so many ways I can say the same thing, okay? So we're going to wrap it up today. And then we're going to jump, next week is Super Bowl, by the way, don't let that sneak up on you or anything, but next week's Super Bowl, we're going to take an interesting look at the Super Bowl and, and some of the calls that you're going to hear at the Super Bowl and how they impact our life. I know you're thinking, they don't impact my life, I don't even play football, all right? but they do. All right? So today we're going to wrap up, not a fan. What I want to do is remind you of definitions. The definition of a fan is an enthusiastic admirer, okay? Fans are people who want to get as close as they can to Jesus without it costing them anything. That's simple enough to get that, okay? They want to be associated with Jesus at church, but but outside of the church, they don't want to be associated with him. They want to wear the T-shirt in the right setting, but they don't want you to ask you. They don't want. They don't want you to ask you what that scripture means that's on the back of your shirt because they may not know. All right? But they want it. They want to wear the shirt. Okay, a fan. A fan can. A fan can bring you to church, but a fan can also kind of sometimes make you not like church because they do some things that you're like, hmm. All right, and so what Jesus wants to do. And what we try to do in this whole series is, if you are a fan, which is not a bad thing, okay, because we all start there to a certain extent, and we all go there at times, but he wants to move us from being a fan of Christ to being a follower of Christ, meaning, I don't care who's looking, I'm with Jesus. I don't care where I'm at, I'm standing for Jesus. I don't care who's looking, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's, that's what you got to be. That's what he wants you to be. And I'm going to tell you something. That's what the church has got to be in this day and time. Because I'm going to tell you, they're coming after you. They're coming after you. I mean, this world is rising up against the things of the Bible. They want to water it down and make it weak. And they want to basically disqualify the church from having any impact in the world. And I'm going to tell you, it's time for the followers of Christ to stand up, quit being wet pretzels, bow up, have the Holy Spirit of power in you, and, 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 and march and start living for Jesus and stand up being a, being a king's kid and quit hiding, man. I'm telling you, if we don't, we're in trouble. I mean, we're in trouble. So... So here's what I want you to do. We're going to look at Luke 9.23. I want you to go to Luke 9.23, and I'm going to break this scripture down, kind of put a bow on everything today. Look at 9.23. This is kind of the definition of the follower. Okay, you remember the setting that wherever Jesus went, these big crowds followed Jesus. But they weren't necessarily about Jesus necessarily. They were wanting the meal ticket. They were wanting the free lunch. They were wanting the buffet, Okay. They were wanting a snack, and Jesus was providing that. 
the loaves and the fishes and all that good stuff. He was, he was taking good care of them, okay? But then he says to them, all right, in verse 23 of Luke 9, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That right there will separate the men from the boys. I mean, it's okay to put a sign up on the goalpost when the TV's on. It says John three sixteen, But when you put up 9-23, dude, that's some serious stuff there. Because John three sixteen is a beautiful passage of Scripture. God so loved the world. Mm-hmm. We like all that love stuff. But then when he put one up that says, you got to die to self. You got to take up a cross, man, like Jesus did. You got to carry it daily. What? No, 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 no. I don't do all that stuff. All right? But that's what he says you got to be. That's what he wants us to be. So let's look at this. Verse 23, let's just break it down. First, it begins, if anyone. We kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago, if anyone. If anyone means everyone, okay? If anyone. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your present. It doesn't matter where you once were, what you used to do. It doesn't matter if you were a pothead, a drughead, an alcoholic. It doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. If you want to be a follower, you can be a follower. If anyone. So you cannot, you cannot self-inflict, dis, or you cannot self-disqualify yourself. You can't do that. You can't count yourself out. You can't say, well, I, I, that's for those church people. No, it's not. Because I'm going to tell you the 12 he called were not classified as church people, okay? I mean, they were not, okay? They didn't look right, smell right, eat right, okay? Trust me, they smelled, but it wasn't right, okay? It was rank, right? These guys, that they were, they, they were not the prim and propers, okay? They were not. So it doesn't matter what you did, what you used to do, what you do today. You stop, give your life to Christ, and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And you change your life, and you change your home. You can do it right now. All right? That's what he wants. Anybody can do it. Anybody. Look at the second part of that. Would come after me. If anyone would come after me. Okay? Come after me. A passionate pursuit. Okay, a passionate pursuit. I'm going to tell you something. Here's what I know about us as humans. We will do what we want to do. Is that right? I, I'm, just be honest. I'm on a, if you're on a diet, dude, and it's 3 a.m., and you got a jelly-filled donut in your kitchen, you're going to watch and see if your wife is snoring out like a light, and you're getting up. You're getting up. You're going to use your little phone, sneak in there. You're going to get it. And I'm going to tell you what a dad's going to do. Blame on the kids. He didn't do it. Kids ate it. Kids ate it. I mean, we as humans, if we want to do it, we are going to find a way to do it. If you want to watch something, you're going to protect that time. If you want to do something, you're going to protect that time and do it. If you want to buy something, do you sell everything. You sell hair that you cut. You you sell everything to get that. I'm telling you, we're going to do what we want to do. So if you really want to come after me and passionately pursue the king, guess who's the only one that's stopping you? You. 
Don't say my schedule, my work, my family, just the season that I'm in. It's just busy. I got all this stuff. Jesus won't fit. Jesus shouldn't have to fit. He should be it. You should fit into him. If you're waiting for Jesus to fit in your schedule, I'm going to tell you he's not fitting. He's not going to fit. Because he, he, he doesn't want to fit. He wants to be your schedule. He wants to be your life. He wants to be everything. Passionately pursue him. When I started dating Melissa, I was a youth pastor at First Baptist Church in Gladewater. And she came home for the summer. And she had just been, I guess I could say this, dumped by her fiancé at finals. So she was the head queen of the man-hater club. Okay? <laughs> And so me, with a spirit of discernment, sensed that. And so for three months of the summer, I mean, I'm like tippy-toeing around this grenade. I'm like, ooh, that woman does not want a man to even say her name. I mean, I would hold the door for her, and, I, and she wouldn't even say thank you. It's like, you better hold that door. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the least you should be doing right now. I mean, I, mean, I just kind of stayed away. And so finally, about the time school was going to start back, I asked her out on a date. And so we went out, and then we started dating. So we're, I'm about 45 minutes away from ETBU. And so, I mean, I would, I would make my week schedule and cut out times in the evenings on certain days that I could drive down Highway 80 and get to ETBU and just see her. Now, it cost me a couple of tickets because love comes with a price, amen. And so... Highway 80 is a bad road if you've ever been on that. I'm just laying them big old tall pines. You can't even see them, dude. You go by, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Ask Paxton about cough later. But, but here's the deal. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that to you. But, but, but I was passionate about getting to Melissa. Why? Because I was in love with her. I, I, I was pursuing her. I wanted to show you that not all guys were jerks. <laughs> and so, so I was passionate. So I made time for that. I made effort for that. I stayed up late driving home. Why? Did be with her. Let me tell you, if I pursue my wife like that, how much more should I pursue the one who died for me and who gave me life? But boy, if it costs me anything now, it's like, oh, I don't have time. I, I'll just skip my quiet time. No. No. It should not be that easy to miss opportunities to be with the king. You should passionately protect that time. I want to look at a couple of scriptures. James 4, 8 says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. Isn't there a responsibility there somewhere? Come near to God. So what's that mean? I first come near to God and his promise is that he will come near to you. I think Jesus is waiting patiently for many of us to give him time. He's just waiting. But we, we, we don't make effort. We make excuse. When you listen to Jeremiah 29, we love Jeremiah 29, 11, but listen to 12 and 13 also. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. You are not to harm, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Woo, boy, that's just beautiful, isn't it? Now, verse 12, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mm. Why are we not where we need to be in our relationship with Christ? <laughs> me. Just me. Why, why am I not there? 
me. No, you don't understand. There's this group, they just won't let me in. No. Mm-mm. Don't want to hear that. Don't want to hear that. I, I, I just, my schedule is just, it's just a season that I, it's going to be better in the next season. No, I don't want to hear that. No. He doesn't want to hear it. I mean, the guy who bore your sins, bled and died for you, was stuck on a cross and died for you and rose again, and you want to sell him these goods about it doesn't fit right now? Come on, man. I mean, who in the world are we talking to? Who? Now, you may not have as much time right now, but, dude, you got time to do what you want to do. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm telling you, quit robbing yourself of the greatest joy in the whole world. Quit. You're punishing yourself. Trust me, you're going to have more time and more energy if you have devoted to Jesus than you will with other stuff. You will. I want you to turn to, uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs. I want to show you a beautiful passage of Scripture. Proverbs 25.2. This is a, I don't know if you've ever seen this. First time I saw it, my wife showed it to me. And I want you to listen to these words. They're beautiful, man. If you have your own Bible, you want to mark this up, I'm sure. 25.2 of Proverbs. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Mm. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of the Lord to reveal it to the king. What does that mean? See, God has this incredible, beautiful plan for your life that he wants to unfold to you as a king's kid. But he wants you to pursue him to find it. Oh, yeah, he, he, he could open a treasure chest right now and just start pouring it all out. But you know what? He knows us. He knows us, man. He knows we'll fumble that, mess it up, and everything. But he wants to, us to pursue him. He wants to get us in a place. So when he opens the treasure chest and reveals all that he has for us, and blesses us. We know where it came from. And we exalt him and make much of it. Man, we're king's kids. He has treasure for us. But he conceals it until we pursue him. Until, he, until we pursue him. Are you pursuing him today? Is, are you passionately, passionately chasing after Jesus today? Are you? Next phrase in there says, he must deny himself. He must deny himself. That is an absolute. Man, you're talking about opposite of what the world sells you today. The world sells you, it's all about me, boy. You got to get it now because you're only going to live for a little bit. Just stockpile, stockpile, stockpile. Just fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. Just get as much as you can, get as much as you can. Just get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Because if you don't get it, you don't get another chance to get it. Somebody else is going to get it. You got to get it. And so we just want to take. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You deny self. You deny self. You say no to me. Okay? That's what denying is, saying no to me. I want you to go to Matthew. I want you to see a passage of Scripture. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Let's start in 25. 
Matthew 6.25. Listen to all the deny self here. Matthew 6.25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and your body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap and store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lily of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor were dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But verse 33, but seek you first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What are we to passionately pursue? What are we to run after? Stuff? No, him. We've got a bunch of seniors over here. Every one of them about to make a decision on what university to attend and what degree to pursue. Now, they got choices. They can look in catalogs and online and all this other stuff. Or every single night, they can get on their knees at the foot of their bed. And they can simply cry out, God, you made me. Your word tells me in Psalm 139, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And all the days of my life have been ordained. And you know the university that needs me and the university that I need. You know what you've made me to be so that I can make much of you. That's all I want to do. I don't want to make much money, but I want a degree where I can spread the gospel and make much of Jesus. And I want you to put me at the university that I need to be at. I want you to put me with a roommate that you have divinely appointed me to have. I don't want to pick it. I want you to pick it for me. And I want you to go out there and trust the Lord, students, that God's going to put you right where he wants you. I'm telling you, I tried to pick my university and he shut every stinking door. And then he put me at a place that I didn't even know how to get there. I had to get a map and find it, okay? And he put me with a roommate. And he put me with guys that shaped my life to this day. They shaped my life. He put me with a baseball coach that was 6'8". And he, had, he not only had my attention because he was 6'8". He had my attention because he unapologetically walked for the king and lived for him daily, man. I'm going to tell you something. He'll put you right where he wants you to be. But you've got to seek him. You've got to pursue him. For us as adults, seek first his kingdom. You seek the Father every single day. You passionately seek him. And I'm going to tell you, all this other stuff will be added to you. All of it will. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. And then it says, take up your cross daily. Hmm. Take up your cross daily. Proverbs 3, 3 to 6 says this. Let love and faithfulness never leave me. May I bind them around my neck. May I write them on the tablets of my heart. That I might win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I will lean not on my own understanding. But in all of my ways... I will acknowledge the king, 
and he will make my path straight. My friends, daily, wherever you find yourself, James 1 says that we should bloom where we are planted. Bloom where you're planted. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I know that spring gets a lot of attention in nature. Trees bud out, flowers grow, grass is green, and we go, oh, look at all the life. It's so beautiful, it's gorgeous. And then summer comes, and it's all deep green. And, well, when it rains, it's really deep green when it rains, and, and it's gorgeous. And we love the green. We love it. We love it. And then fall comes, and God takes a paintbrush, and he decorates everything, man. And, man, we see colors that we could never imagine. And you go to the mountains, and you see those aspen, and you go, God. God's good. Man, it's gorgeous. And then winter comes and we go, ugh, it's uh, (laughs) so ugly out there. Everything's dead. It's dead. If you're like me, do you think winter's dead? Looks dead, doesn't it? But can I tell you something? Out of all four seasons, there's more life going on in winter than in all the others. See, we see the benefits of in spring, in summer, and fall, of all the life in winter. You see, right now, you don't see it. You think nothing's happening. But can I tell you, beneath the surface of that ground, with grass and shrubs and trees, those dudes are growing deep, fat, and strong. And come spring, you're going to see the product of that. And in summer, you're going to list lavish in that. In fall, you're going to brag on it. But what you don't understand is when you don't see anything on the outside going on, deep roots are going down. Right now, you may be a season of your life where God's not doing a whole lot outside. But you see other people, they got all this stuff going on in their life, and they're talking about all God's doing. And you're thinking, man, God didn't do nothing in my life, man. So what do you do? Quit. Don't pursue. Give up. Chunk it in. No. Because, my friend, you continue to passionately pursue him as he grows those roots deep, 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 deep. And before you know it, a season of your life will come where they will sprout. And then you'll be able to say, let me tell you what God's been doing in my life. It's taken him a while to do it because he had to get me to this place. But I want you to see the buds busting out on my tree right now. I want to tell you what God's doing in my family right now. Because I went through a season and I lost my faith. Man, I didn't think he was doing anything. I couldn't see anything. And I started to give up on him. But I had to remember he didn't give up on me. He went to that cross for me, man. He didn't quit when that cross hit the ground. He got back up and finished it. And I keep on in that word. And I stayed in that word. And I stayed in that word. And I stayed in that word. I'm going to tell you, man, God's doing it in my life now. Are you blooming where he put you? I, I know it may be winter for you. But are you blooming? You say, well, I'm not blooming outside, Jeff. Okay, but are you blooming beneath the ground? Do you feel your roots get deeper? Are you stronger now, deeper now? Huh? Are you more mature now? Are you stronger now? You hold on because soon you're going to bloom like you've never bloomed before. You won't even recognize yourself. You'll say stuff and go, man, I ain't never say anything like that. That's the Holy Spirit and those deep roots just busting in you. God says, you take up your cross. You deny yourself and you take up that cross no matter where life puts you, no matter where you're at, and you just follow me daily. Daily. You follow me daily. Daily. 
every day. Last bit is this. The very end of that, he says this whole phrase, and then he ends simply with these two words, follow me. That's it. Follow me. I'm going to test you guys. You know what slogans are? Every company got to have a slogan, right? Got to have something put on a T-shirt, a hat, some phrase, man. See how good you are. Here's a slogan. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Come on, church. It's everywhere you want to be. Come on. All the credit card people are like, Visa, right? It's the ultimate driving machine. BMW. Some of y'all are like, I'm a Ford, dude. I ain't even thought about a BMW. That's okay. That was a little bit slower, okay? Everybody that answered that one's got good income, right? All right. Here's one. Nobody's going to miss this. Just do it. Nike. Well, they did a good one on that one. It keeps going and going and going. Yeah. Somebody said the bunny. Yeah. (laughs) The bunny. All right. You're in good hands with all state. Don't leave home without it. What's that? American Express? I want you to think of this. Here's the disciples. And you can just picture this, like this business team meeting here. And they're like, Jesus, we've got to have a slogan, man. We want people to follow us, man. We've got to have a slogan. We've got to have a slogan, man. And so I'm sure they're coming up with all these ideas about these great slogans they could put on the sandals or on the robes or, you know, on the headbands or whatever they had back then. You know, I don't, I don't call it a bumper sticker. It would be a camel sticker, I guess. I don't know what you put on there. But, but, but they got to have a slogan. They're coming up with all these things. And then Jesus says, boys, 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 I got one. I got one. Here's, here's, this is going to be our slogan. Come and die. And I'm sure the disciples are like, Jesus, dude. I don't know, man, that's not going to really fill up the, no, nah, that's probably not going to be a big line of people buying that, that, that camel sticker. That's probably not going to be a bunch of robes with that on there. Come and die? Are you serious? That's the best you can do? I mean, that's the sticker, that's the slogan that Jesus gave the disciples. I mean, there they are. He's like, hey, man, come and die. All right, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, that's what they did. They just dropped everything, just started doing it, man. And they're called lunatics and weirdos. and I mean, they're weird. They're crazy. But that's what he said. And so when you think about that's what he said to us. That's what he's saying today. Just come and die. You're thinking, gosh, that, that, get the balloons and the confetti, man. This is great, all right? You want me to bring some ice cream with that cake? I, I mean, that's not going to draw a crowd. But can I tell you something? You and me are never more alive than when we're dead. I'm telling you, man, the more I die of Jeff, I'll do the more I'm alive in Christ. The more I decrease, the more he increases. The, more, the less of me, the more of him. Matthew says, I pray that I will decrease and that he will increase. Every single day or every single Sunday when I stand before you, my prayer right before I get up here, Father, hide me behind the cross. May they not see 
me, but may they see you. I'm going to tell you something, man. When we disappear, when we die to self, we are never more alive than that moment right there. Every one of us, every single day, should come after Christ and die to self. That old flesh is going to rear its ugly head. Ooh, I'm telling you, it wants out so bad. It wants out bad. And every single morning, you've got to crucify that old flesh. You've got to say, die, man, die, die, and let Jesus live and let him live. I want to read to you the last little bit. Verse 24, we didn't read it earlier because I had to save it for this. Verse 24 is this. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Come on, church. Whoever wants to, whoever wants to live for me must die. And when you do, he'll resurrect you. He'll raise you like he did. And you will be more like him than you could ever do on your own alive. There's some of us in this room. We've been alive too long. Too long, man. You've been trying to do this thing alive. It ain't going to work. He just, he cannot rewrite this. I'm sorry. I love you. And I know you're putting forth a heck of an effort. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not disputing your effort. It's there. But you're still alive. You're still alive. You got to die. You got to die. You say, well, I died when I got saved. Yes, but you got back up. You didn't stay in the ground. You got back up. You say, well, I got this now. I, I know, I know. I quote all these scriptures. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> You've been a mess, man. You're you, you, you just killing yourself. You feel like you're going backwards more than you're going forward. All the things you said I'm not going to say anymore, you're still saying them two years later. That same attitude that you've been trying to whoop is still whooping you. That same temper you said, I got it, I got it, I'm a, I'm a lot better than I was. You're not there yet. You're not there yet because you're still alive. This morning, do yourself a big fat favor and die. Just die, man. Just crucify that flesh. Crucify that area. Crucify that thing you keep going back to or that excuse you keep. You, you got to crucify all that stuff. And then let him resurrect you in your new self. And then you walk in that new life for the king, baby. You walk in it. And you deny yourself every day. And you take up that cross and you bloom where you're planted. And where his feet land, your feet land. Just like that. You know why? Because when you look back, you got a whole bunch of feet following you. A whole bunch of them. And some of them about this big. And some of them about that big. And they're going to land right where your feet land. Follow him. But in order to follow him, okay, in order to come and follow him, you got to die. You got to die. It goes totally opposite of what this world will tell you. But it's the only way you will have a thing Jesus calls joy. You won't have it any other way. You might be happy at times, but you won't have joy. And joy, my friend, is what it's all about. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to give them life and give it to them more abundantly. Abundantly. Are you living that abundant life? If you're not living that abundant life, I can tell you why. You're alive. You're alive. 
That's why you're not living it. If you'll die, you'll never be more alive than when you're dead. I'm just telling you. I know that's totally opposite of what the world tells you every day. But this Bible is totally opposite too. Jesus is totally opposite. Okay? Try it. I'm telling you, you die, you'll have joy, and you'll live like you've never lived before. Let's pray. Father, this morning, God, we really wish sometimes when we come to church that the word would be so complicated we could say, I just don't understand it, and not be held responsible for anything that we just heard. But God, what's tough is that the word of God is so, so simple. And because it's simple, we get it. And because we get it, we're held responsible for that which we've heard. And this morning, Father, that's where we find ourselves, Jeff included. Father, your word's very clear, what you ask of us as Christians, as followers. Father, we must come after you. But in order to do that, we must die first. And so, Father, this morning, may each one of us search our hearts. Not our family, not our spouse, but our heart. And ask ourselves a simple question. Am I truly a follower of Christ? Have I truly come to a place in my life where I have died to myself and I've been resurrected in Christ and I walk in new life? Father, I pray today that you would restore joy in people's lives today. I believe there are people in this room that, though they may be happy at times, they don't have joy. Joy comes from dying. And I pray, Father, today that you will crucify our old self and give us the joy of the Lord, the joy of your salvation in us. And may we walk in that. God, during this invitation time, I pray for anyone that sounded my voice that needs to give their life to Christ and be born again, that they would come this morning, don't care who's looking, don't care what they, what others think, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're lost, you're lost, you're lost. You don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him. And you want to come this morning, give your life to Christ. Maybe there's a family here this morning looking for a church home, looking for a place to call home, a home church. God, you lead them here this morning. Maybe we just need to come to the altar, come to these couples and pray. Maybe we need to come here and fall at this altar and and just surrender and die today. And die. And stay here until we're truly dead. And then we get back up and we live for you. So, Father, whatever you need to do, Father, I pray you move us today. Move us, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, church. If you need to come for any reason altars open. I'll be down front. These couples would love to pray for you, but the Lord leads this morning.